Hi, I'm Vicki Bolson, and welcome to Taking Care in Business, a podcast I created out of my passion for using business as a force for good. From environmental practices to social impacts and all that falls within the realm of corporate social responsibility, I'm always curious about how organizations are taking care in business. Well, hello, everyone. I am so excited today. I have got um, someone that I'm super excited to talk with today. He is a former finance executive who left that career for a very personal reason uh, to embark on a totally different career path as the CEO of Cure Brain Cancer Foundation. Um, and he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. He recently was named the CEO the nonprofit CEO of the year by none other than CEO magazine in 2022. And that's just one of many accolades and awards that he's um, received for his really awesome work. And the third thing that I really want to talk to him about is that he recently announced a groundbreaking one of a kind awareness building adventure that, um, is all in an effort to raise money for the very important um, topic of cancer research. So welcome, Lance. Thank you so much Great. for joining us today. Lance, let me make sure I'm saying this right. Kawaguchi? Perfect. And again, Vicki, great to be here. Thank you so much. Looking forward to this opportunity. Yeah, you know, I want to start out by just um, kind of talking about what led you to give up such a great career in um, finance to embark on, you know, the sometimes not so glorious path of the not-for-profit world? Correct. So um, I was in investment banking for, or banking in general, for about 25 years across 15 countries, Middle East, Asia, Europe, U.S., Australia. But in 2016, I got a phone call on the 26th of May from my mother who said she had just been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. So I rushed to Hawaii from London and I went back four times and she was only given three months to live. So I was lucky enough to be with her on her last day last week. And during that time, we got everything in, in order. She asked me to do three things. One is to take care of my father because I'm an only child. Second is to really improve my work-life balance, to spend more time with my kids, my two boys. And then the third, she asked me to take five years out of my career at some point, sooner rather than later, to give back to social impact, something bigger than myself. So from 2016 until 2020, I did quite a bit of due diligence on different charities. And I selected to do Cure Brain Cancer Foundation for a multitude of reasons. Number one, brain cancer is one of the top killers of children. And she was a special needs um, teacher for 42 years in Hawaii. So I thought that was honoring her. Yeah. Second thing, it was in cancer. And third thing, Cure Brain Cancer Foundation had a, like quite a bit of CEOs in the past five years. And I, I like to fix organizations or help build organizations. Yes, I read that about you. And I, I find that to be fascinating. Um, I do want to say, well, you did leave out the part where your mom called you an asshole. Well, I didn't know we could actually swear on this podcast, but yeah, you said it, so I don't have to say it. I, I love that. I love that she pre preempted the request for the five years with that. Um, only a mom can tell us that, right? And well, um, she was my best friend. Oh, well, I am just, I, I it just 
touches me so much that you took what she said to heart and that you have given back so much and that you've chosen such a, a great thing to, you know, to, to dedicate your life to. Um, I know that from different things I've read that brain cancer is the number one killer in Australia in children. Correct. That is correct. And also it's one of the top killers of children outside of the Australia, also in the U.S. and Europe. But a lot of people just don't realize that. Okay. And the reason I said Australia for our listeners is that Lance, the Cure Brain Cancer Foundation is in Australia, but um, you are working with other organizations throughout the world, which I think is amazing because um, it's my belief uh, that especially with cancer research, really any medical research, why aren't people communicating with each other? Like the research findings and, 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 and not duplicating efforts. I don't understand that. Vicki, I, I agree 100%. So just to give the viewers or the listeners context, I'm also on the board of nine other charities in Asia and the US. I'm the chairperson for four and also I'm the strategic advisor to a multitude of uh, charities. Because when I joined non-for-profit, it was quite counterintuitive for me because coming from banking, I always thought that non-for-profits were very kumbaya, everybody loves each other. But it was actually quite the opposite. I reached out to every brain cancer charity I could find, but nobody really wanted to collaborate. So my thought process is if everybody raises a million dollars, it's better if we work together going in the same direction versus everyone going in different directions. So that was a big surprise. So what I tried to do is really foster collaboration and also awareness, because if people aren't aware, they can't give. So that's what I've been trying to do pro bono, no salary with these other nine charities to help them out, to make sure we can all collaborate, let's discuss it, let's figure out how can we move in the same direction because survival rate for brain cancer for your listeners hasn't improved in 30 years. It's 22 to 23% and it hasn't improved because there's no treatments. So to your point, I, tr I truly believe there's 1.6 million charities just in the US, right? There's 16 wow. brain cancer charities in Australia. Imagine if we all coordinated, put the ego aside. I don't really care who gets the credit. I just want the progress. And I think it would be quite powerful. So again, I'm just trying to lead by example. Oh, I, I completely agree. I mean, the number of nonprofits is staggering and so many of them with similar missions that if they just join forces and, you know, it, it, it's maddening. So what kinds of things having said that, have you put into place so that there's better communication and collaboration amongst the 16 in Australia and the others all, you know, worldwide? So number one, I just try to make sure that all the charities that I'm supporting either has a woman as the CEO or the chairperson, you know, to honor my mother, because I don't think oh, people oh, realize- Oh, I thought it was because women get stuff done. Well, women do get stuff done, but um, if you look at what I've been talking about since 2013, 14, 15, even before I joined non-for-profit, I've been a huge advocate for diversity and inclusion. I won several awards about it mm -hmm. because I still feel in today's environment, there's, there's, so, there, there's so much, the amount that women have to like, kind of break through that glass ceiling, it's still around. Mm -hmm. And ethnic minorities, I still get you know hate text and, and people saying negative things. So what I wanted to do was one, support charities that either have a CEO or chairperson as a woman. 
Number two, I wanted to help organizations that either are new. So for example, in your backyard in, Ch in Chicago, the Kendall Nicole Ike Foundation or in Oregon, Kim's Hope, because I feel, especially when they're new, I can help kind of get give them best practices, how to leverage digital platforms in my banking uh, uh, experience, how to leverage different currency pairs, you know, just everything, CRM systems, or working with organizations that have been around for 50 to 70 years and help revitalize them and really pivot to digital. So for me, it's really, that's where I, I feel, and to give you some context, in the past one year, I've been approached by over 142 organizations to either become their CEO or on their chair. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I know there's a need, but I wanna make sure that whatever I join, I can add value. And also I'm not shortchanging anyone. So I've been very selective of who I select. But for me, there's huge upside in non-for-profit because non-for-profit is still quite bureaucratic. Decisions take a lot of time to give some, uh, a little bit more background and context to your listeners. In Australia context, in the last 18 months, I've distributed $11.5 million into research and support. That's more than the past 10 years combined at this organization. So I find that oftentimes the charities don't reflect the community. And that's what I try to bring from the business side. I always focus what's important to my customers. So mm -hmm. for people with cancer, they don't have the luxury of time, but charities often move very slowly. So there's counterintuitive, there's mm -hmm. a juxtaposition, right? So for me, I just try to bring that sense of urgency and just try to get things done as quickly as possible. Well, that makes total sense. I mean, and I would think that the fast pace that you were used to in your former career, um, I, I can't imagine you could have felt, I don't know that you were accomplishing anything if you didn't continue at that pace, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So you said you wanted, and you promised your mom or she requested five years. Are you, um, you know, you've accomplished so much and the, I guess it's been what, two or two and a half now, maybe? Two and a two half, and a half years so far. Job, yeah. So you have, you know, you're halfway to the the commitment, the promise. What would you like to have accomplished at that five-year mark? Well, the five-year mark, I definitely want to increase survival rates and also increase treatments, not only for brain cancer, but for all cancers. So what I'd like to do, for example, I rang the bell for NASDAQ last December on the 2nd of December, and I invited every single brain cancer charity I could find, right? To give everyone shine. Because if we all lift everyone up, you know, the water line moves up. I really don't care about this kind of parochial, oh, it's my stuff. So what I'd like to do is continue to execute and roll out GBM Agile in Australia, which was a very innovative trial that was committed to by multiple charities and the government since 2013. And I sole funded it and structured it. So it's $4 million less than the government. And also we're gonna roll it out this year. So I'd like to get that done, open it up on all the sites. In the US, I wanna get the uh, Cure Brain Cancer Foundation US entity up and running. And also I wanna make sure that we increase more collaborations with all the cancer charities in the US. So for me, the job is not done. Um, I will, I've been asked this many times. Um, I love what I'm doing. I like to reflect every year, but I feel committed that I think I found my niche and I'm very passionate about supporting early stage biotechs, researchers, and helping people with cancer. 
because between you and me, I lived in the Middle East for a multitude of years. I lived in Jordan, Saudi Arabia. And I remember when I went to Egypt one time and someone was taking me on a tour and they said, Lance, here's like this um, hieroglyphics. And it was a story from 5,000 years ago about this, uh, I guess this kind of doctor and the person went through all the ailments in the like that the world knew at the time. And he found 48 or 49 ailments and all of them he could figure out a solution except for one, which was cancer. So cancer has been around for 5,000 years recorded or more. Wow. Yeah. Yet, yet what COVID showed us is that if we have global collaboration and proper funding, we can pretty much do anything. That's true. That's a very good point. I love that. Oh God, that's that that really inspires hope. You know, well, if you don't have hope, right? I remember when my my mom, you know, she said, "Lance, I don't want to do chemo. I don't want to do radiation. I just want to enjoy my time." Right? And every day I was with her, I just hoped to get that extra minute, extra hour. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have hope, and she even said, "Lance, I know I was only given three months, but I want to try to make it five months, so at least I can get to the forty seventh anniversary with your father." Right? And she did everything. She 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 was jaundiced. She was just in pain, but she made it. Mm. Right. So she made it to the 47th anniversary. And then, you know, shortly after she passed. But for me, the one thing I realized working with people who are in all, I mean, not only in cancer, is that hope is the most important thing. Right, Vicky? If you don't have hope, then I mean it, it that's everything. Yeah. Right. Hope is the most important thing that we can give people. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to ask you about this crazy announcement that you've made. <laughs> I, 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 I just watched some documentary that gave me a little bit of a peek into what you're going to experience. And so um, t tell me about how you came up with this one. This is a good one and tell everybody what it is. I, I, well, Vicki, I can't take credit for this true transparency, like full transparency. I was at the CEO Magazine Award in November of last year, and they had an inspirational speaker who trekked the South Pole. And he showed video and it was, it was just really, really, I mean, I couldn't believe how tough it was. So as you know, from my background, I, I like difficult situations. I used to be the country head for Iraq and Baghdad for two years as a US citizen. So I turned to my wife and I said, I think I can do this. And she's like, are you out of your mind? You haven't worked out for 30 years. You're old. And also, you don't have any clue what you're doing. You've never gone camping. So I got the idea. And then I approached several charities and said, what if we all collaborate and work together? Because as you know, most times when you do something for charities, they do it for their own charity. Yes. But you probably know, I'm, I'm actually going to be trekking for currently nine charities globally to help raise funds for cancer, because I want to show there's a multiplier effect, a force multiplier, mm -hmm. that one person can actually help multiple charities. It's not binary where you only can help your own charity. It's, yeah. it's very kind of old school thinking. So, um, so the listeners know I am, haven't worked out since 1996. I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, I haven't lifted a weight. So I started my training. My training consists of four days a week doing cardio and also weightlifting. It also every morning at 3 a.m. because I, I like to do things early because it's summertime here. I go to the park and then I walk around with a 75 pound pound for, for tire around for about an hour and a half, 
two hours. And then on the weekends, I have a weight vest and I go up and down steps. So I'm taking this very serious. I also have a nutritionist. I've gone from about 1800 calories per day to 9,000. No. Yes, because if I don't gain the proper weight, because it's so cold, your body will catabolize itself. So it's critically important that I have proper fat stores and everything. So the good news is if you roll the tape forward to December, when we do our next interview, I'm either going to look like a sumo wrestler, which no judgment, that's cool. Or I'm going to be really, really in good shape. It's one or the other, but I'm taking this serious. Wow. I, that 9,000 calories, you must be drinking milkshakes and all kinds of crazy stuff. It is mind numbing. How I don't know how people who are professional athletes do it. I wake up at midnight, drink uh, like a thousand calorie shake, go to bed. Wake up at two, drink. It is so uncomfortable. But oh I, the way I the way I envision it, Vicky, is that nothing I go through, no discomfort, no pain, no nothing is going to be equivalent to having cancer. So I try to always reframe and put things in yeah. perspective that no matter how tough it is, it always could be tougher if I had cancer. That is a, a great perspective. I that is that's beautiful actually, um, and with nine other groups with you, I think it will get a lot of attention. Um, just out of curiosity, so you're doing it in December, isn't it summer there in December? It's summer there in December. Correct. So Correct. So uh, yeah. So true story. I did quite a bit of due diligence. <laughs> it was either the North Pole or the South Pole. North Pole, I really, I quickly realized that it's going to, they have polar bears and they have like two, multiple, a uh, couple of different ones. They have killer whales. So that was a hard pass for me. Plus I would have to go in June. Doesn't give me enough time to uh, train. I picked the South Pole because all they have are penguins and seals and no offense to penguins or seals. I think I can, you know, you if I get attacked, I, I, I can handle a two feet penguin or a three foot seal, right? Um, so uh, so that was one of the decision-making plus December gives me an adequate time to prepare. Um, so that's really the impetus, but I'm gonna be doing this over Christmas. So my family will be in Houston and Hawaii with you know celebrating Christmas, watching all the college football games. And I will be trekking every day for eight hours um, uh, in sub-zero, I think it's like negative 120 degree temperature. So oh it's going to be fun. Can't so wait. how many days is the trek? Uh, depends on the weather, but I'll be gone for roughly about three weeks. I wasn't, I can't do the full 66 days because, I mean, that takes years to actually do. So I'm going to be doing as much as I've been kind of approved for by uh, the, my, medic, my medical staff and also um, you know, everyone else. Okay. So this might be a silly question, but from what I understand, there are sort of research centers all over the South Pole where people, you know, sort of hunker down and, and live. And it seems to me from this documentary I saw, unless I'm thinking the other pole, that there's around 30 of those active at a time. Um, where are you, are you, where are you going to stay? Oh, no, 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 no. So this is the fun part. So I, it's only going to be myself, uh, team lead, and also a medic. That, that is true. They have camps, what's called base camps. Yes. We're not doing base camps. We're essentially 
every morning we're going to be trekking, you know, eight hours. So one hour, 10 minute break, one hour, 10 minute break. And then we're going to set up camp and then we're going to put our tent up, going to cook our food, you know, then wrap up everything. And so we're not going to be at a base camp. This is real like life you're trekking. Going, you're making, you're correct. You're forging a, a, a path forward. Correct. Like anyway. Because I don't, I don't want to do this where people will say, you, you really didn't, you really didn't do it. So right, right. I'd like to make sure that it's the true trekking where you pack, you have to cook your own food, then you pack up, the next day you go. So every day is constantly like that. It's not this base camp where you have hot water and you get to, you know, the luxuries of home. This has no luxuries. Wow. That, yeah, I, I figured that was the case. So, um, but you, obviously have some professionals guiding you with the camping Correct. materials and all that. So you're going to be safe, but it isn't going to be easy. No. And for me, I like, I mean, for, I don't know why I've always been, I, I love things that are difficult. Yeah. Um, because I think it's so much more gratifying when you, when you get, when you accomplish it, whether you make the goal or not, Yeah. as long as you do your best. I mean, for me, it, it's very inspiring. And if I don't do it now, when will I do it? I'm 47. Yeah. I, I, Right. So how are you going to document it so that you can share this beautiful, you know, um, sort of analogy that you shared with me about, you know, if if uh, you know, I'm not going to be in nearly just training, doing it, none of that will be as difficult as someone facing cancer, which is, you know, how are you going to tell that story? So every day I have videotaped myself training for content. I haven't released any yet, but I will soon. And then on the trek, my team has showed me how to use GoPros. I've never used it, so I'll have one here and kind of one that I'll hold. So I'll document it myself, but also because there's no Wi-Fi, there'll be a cartoon um, of me kind of trekking so people can track my progress based off the satellite phone. Oh, and my, my, my son, who's 10 years old, is also going to voice the cartoon of the seal. And my wife is going to voice the cartoon of the penguin. So kind of like, tracking me going all around so people will be able to track me during christmas so you know it'll yeah. be updated daily oh that's i that's so cool well good for you i love that um it's a pretty big announcement and i think it's going to raise a lot of a lot a lot of awareness so so okay i have so many other questions but we've only got probably a few more minutes so i wanted to um I'm like looking at these, like, which one am I going to ask you? I guess the thing that I think is, is probably most on everyone's mind is how the finance career has translated to the nonprofit world. You've said a few anecdotes here and there, but like, right. like just big picture. I mean, it's a totally different world. You know, how, Vicky, how have you, how, how have you, and you're saying, no, it's not, you're giving me this look like it's really not. Oh, no, 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 it is completely different. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I fund people who know me know I fundamentally will not lie. I'll tell you like it is. So <laughs> to give context, I, w I was living in London in Knightsbridge. I was at a 1700 square foot kind of corner office. I went to working the first six months out of a Vietnamese restaurant. Great food, love the people. I read that, but, I died laughing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you died, you know, laughed, started <laughs> laughing because I wasn't really laughing, but the corporate culture is completely different. And that's the fundamental problem that I find with boards. You have boards that are very corporate, 
you know, successful in corporate and business, trying to give guidance and opining on things that are non-for-profit. It is, I have had to learn the hard way. It is completely different. So the one thing that I was able to do because I have a finance background, operational risk, credit risk, is really implement systems on leveraging you know, digital. So we went from 35 employees to nine, but our profitability increased 10x because we were able to oh. leverage application. Correct. That, that's an important point. So as soon as I came in, we had a lot of physical donations, which obviously have know your uh, client concerns. Uh, we had a lot of the database of our donors was on an Excel spreadsheet, which is open for errors. So I made sure to implement a digital CRM system. Our payment gateway only accepted one form of payment. Now we accept 56 uh, currency pairs. So that's where I was really able to kind of bring that business acumen where I could get things, leverage the digital, like the APIs, application programming interfaces, and really implement that quickly to get efficiencies and economies of scale. And then on the risk side, I was able to leverage, so our CRM, we can tailor the information, the data, right? Which we never used before. Data is critically important so we can target and give information that people want, not what we hope they want, right? So that was something that I do for all the charities. And it's something that I find that most charities don't have someone that's been a risk officer, credit officer, investment banking head, transaction banking head. So all those, and also culturally, because I've lived in so many different um, countries, if you're appealing to a different culture, like for example, in Asia, if it's Chinese New Year, you, you know, it's a different approach. Like for example, in the Middle East, it's Ramadan, you know, so Ramadan Korean for everyone. Y you can't really appeal to everyone until you actually get to know everyone. For me, that's what's important. So I think all my skill sets has been, I've, I've actually utilized all of them yeah. and it's actually been quite beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is kind of a funny thing. I seems like I really sleuthed you because I even read that you went to Indiana University. I was waiting for this. So I know, <laughs> Vicki, you love Indiana and I love Indiana. I went to Indiana University. My mother and her whole family went to Indiana University. My father went to Purdue and he was a nuclear engineer. And he was during the same time as Bob Greasy, obviously a famous football player. Right. So I love Indianapolis. I came down just so you know, I watched Jim Harbaugh, Captain Comeback, when he was playing with for the Colts. I also went, I, 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 I had a ticket and I attended when Michael Jordan came back from his first retirement at, oh, at, yeah. um, at um, Market Square Arena. Right. Oh, it was so, Market Square Arena then. <laughs> see, I am a huge Indiana fan. And most people don't realize I lived in Chicago and Naperville for many years. I love the Midwest. I love the Midwest. Absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I did not go to Indiana University, um, but I, of course, you know, so many of my friends and colleagues and all that did. So um, go IU. I great See? school. Did you go to the Kelly School of Business? Is that the school? No, I was in, I was in economics, but okay. I, every year I cheer for IU. I'm a little bit disappointed they got, um, you know, out of the, the third around the 32, they lost to Miami, which is which is fine. But I do feel that they're on the right trajectory. Yeah. Um, and I almost got a my, my claim to fame is then 2002. You remember with Mike Davis, they made that run all the way to the championship against Maryland. 
I put my, as an alumni, I put my, I almost got selected to get a ticket, but didn't get it. So in my lifetime, I would like to see IU win a championship, another one, number six. So are you in a March Madness pool right now? I don't do any of those pools because I don't know what I'm doing. All I do is follow <laughs> Indiana. And yeah, so for me, it's just Indiana or Purdue because my dad. So yeah. Oh, that's neat that we have that connection. Um, I, when I read that, I just about fell out of my seat. I thought, oh my gosh, he's lived all over the world. How many countries did you say? Over 15. Um, I mean, that's pretty much so everywhere in the Middle East. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you my favorite st places are always going to be Bloomington, um, also Indianapolis, Chicago, and Houston, where my wife's from. I have to say that, and also Hawaii, and also Australia. Well, those are all home, you know, home, Correct. home. Well, that is a good way to end this lovely interview. I have so enjoyed talking to you. Um, I want everybody to know all the ways they can follow you so that they can, because there's, you know, there's other, you know, people can donate money. People can mm -hmm. read up on the organizations in their communities because you're collaborating with all of them. So um, do a rundown for everybody on all the ways they can <laughs> you follow you. So they, they can, I would recommend that they, they connect with me on LinkedIn um, they can also follow Cure Brain Cancer Foundation, Kendall Nicole I, Glioblastoma Research Organization, Cancer Research. There's about nine, so we'll, I'll send you the links to that. Um, also, my kids have said I'm going to be on TikTok and also uh, Instagram since, you know, my generation, I was on MySpace. So I, I'm on Facebook, don't really use it, but I'll be on across all the platforms to update everyone on my training. So I don't know, Vicky, but it, I, my son, who's 16, just got me on um, Instagram. I don't want to flex. I don't want to be too cocky, but I have 129 followers. I don't know. Is that good? Is that good? <laughs> You're getting there, Lance. You're getting there. <laughs> yes, I knew it. I told him. He's, I don't really understand, but he keeps calling me uh, Boomer. And I'm like, oh, I'm God. not a baby Boomer. I wasn't. You know, I'm not that old. No offense. No offense to baby. No, I am. No I'm on the boomer fence. So it's okay. It's okay though, because I, I think I have maybe six or 700 followers on Instagram. So <laughs> Vicky, why you got to make me feel bad? Why you got to, <laughs> well, like, you don't want to. I'm not doing a trek to the, to the pole. So as soon as that starts uh, ratcheting up, you're going to, you're going to see those numbers blow up, but um, I hope so. That's, that's super fun. I'm going to, I'm going to find you and follow you as soon as we get off the phone, <laughs> but thank you so much. It's been so fun talking to you and congratulations on the wonderful work you're doing because every single person has been touched by cancer, whether it's Correct. a super close family friend or family member or good friend, but everybody has been touched by it in some way. So what you're doing is incredible. So thank you. No, I really appreciate it, Vicki. I look forward to um, hopefully speaking to you in the future. But again, thank you and all, all your listeners. Thank you for all your support. Taking Care in Business is hosted by Vicki Bolson and is co-produced by me, Morgan Hartman and Addie Miller. Together, we're all part of the team here at Bolson Group. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to help support our show, please follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For the latest news and updates, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Taking Care in Biz, that's biz with a Z, or by going to our website at takingcareinbusiness.com. If you have any questions, comments, or have a guest suggestion, you can email us at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for our next episode to learn more about using business as a force for good.